All hand hoy. Ahoy there, matey. Um, pardon? I said, ahoy, my hearties. Okay. A fast it be taught like a pirate day, you scurvy-billed rat. Oh, aye, that it be. Shiver me timbers, I forgot. Ahoy, my mateys. I be Captain Mamanda. And I be Captain Ian, and we're welcoming all you shipmates to this single joke episode of Day's podcast. Aye, and we do have a special tot of rum for ye in this episode. I'm really not sure how long I can keep this up. Avast ye livy limbered scallywag, it be taught like a pirate day, so shape up or you be walking the plank all the way to Davy Jones's locker. Okay, but you do know that walking the plank wasn't actually a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, because I have been reading up about pirates recently. Me too. Uh, really? What a coincidence. And what have you been reading? I've been reading Be More Pirate by Sam Conniff Allende. That's an astonishing coincidence. Wow. Uh, wow. I've been reading that too. Well, fancy that. It's almost as though we coordinated that in some way, isn't it? Uh, or I borrowed the book from you, but yes, a little bit. <laughs> so why did we do that, Amanda? Well, it seems topical, doesn't it, for Talk Like a Pirate Day? Although, actually, I think that it would be more fun to be more pirate. Arr. Arr. Also, we have an exciting guest waiting in not just our green room. It's very special. It's in the captain's quarters. Oh. Mm. Who's that, then? It's Alex Barker from Team Be More Pirate. And did I say that she's in with a shot for the coveted coolest job title featured on the podcast prize? Wait, we have prizes now for things. Well, you've got to say, there's some stiff competition for that one. Not least from the chocolate maker and the bacon master. Uh, your favourite. So what's her job title? Right hand pirate. How cool is that? Very, very cool. She is cool. I think we should welcome her in from the captain's quarters, <laughs> a.k.a. our green room, very luxurious, um, and ask her all about being a pirate. Arr, make it so, number one. That's a Star Trek joke. Sorry. Wrong episode. Sorry. Shall we open the door? Yes, open the door of the captain's quarters. <laughs> Clearly they need some oiling. <laughs> Got any WD-40 to put on the hinges? That's the sea. We're at sea. Oh, sorry. So, welcome aboard, Alex. Right-hand pirate is an awesome job title. How did you get to be a modern-day pirate? Um, well, it depends on how far back you want me to go with this. But I suppose I'd start when I took a sabbatical from the RSA, which is where I was working at the time when I saw the job advert for right-hand pirate. <laughs> So I'd, I'd taken a, a four month or so sabbatical and I'd kind of just reached a bit of a crossroads in my own life and was just thinking about what to do next. But I had reached a little bit of a wall, I'd say, with working in the charity and social innovation sector. So I downloaded the first chapter of Be More Pirate of Sam's book on my Kindle, along with like 40 other first chapters. <laughs> so I was really at this point of like, what, what am I looking for? What kind of inspiration do I need here? And, you know, I thought being more pirate sounded great. I thought I probably do need to be a bit more pirate. But I read the first chapter and realized that it was going to be about social change and thought, God, I'm, I can't deal with this. I cannot listen to another person's great ideas about how to fix the world. <sighs> and so I just put it straight down. I, I didn't continue at all until it was about three months in. And I, I think I'd relaxed a little bit <laughs> by that point. And that's when I saw the job 
um, advert that Sam had posted. And it came, and there's a bit, I mean, there's a long backstory to this actually, because I saw it through an organization called Escape the City, which is mentioned in Be More Pirate as a kind of pirate organization mm. for people who want to escape their corporate jobs. And they're really awesome. And I've been following Escape the City for 10 years. And that had led me to kind of write a really rubbishy book 10 years ago. And there's, yeah, more detail behind that. But Escape the City had been part of my own career journey for a long time. So when I saw this come up, I was like, I just read it and thought, and I remember I was in this transit bus in Vietnam and I was like, this <laughs> job is exactly what I wanted to do. And I was sat, stood there amongst all these sort of Vietnamese people on this bus, everyone <laughs> head down on their phones. And I was kind of like having a mini like epiphany of excitement <laughs> going, this is it, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And just from that moment, I had a real level of clarity and certainty that I wanted to do that. So yeah, pretty much booked a flight back. Well, I, I spent three or four hours in the hotel room trying to record a video to send to Sam to be, to explain why I wanted to do the job because he said apply in whatever way you want and then I kind of realized I'm a better writer than I am an orator although I think it's improved over the last year <laughs> and um, then I just uh, yeah I applied you know with all the passion that I really really had at that moment that this would apply my skills I'd learned in the RSA and and this but I had this real sense of this would give me the the autonomy and the a way to kind of do everything that I'd learned differently so yeah and then flew back to London for the interview and and that was that really i kind of challenged sam quite a lot in the interview over because uh, beyond the very very small job description he'd written about what he wanted mm. from a right-hand pirate which pretty much was helped me create some social impact out of be more pirate and stop me from disappearing at my own ass <laughs> <laughs> there was he, he did he did you know he, that was genuinely it and i thought well, <laughs> that's interesting and then he'd expanded on it a bit in the sort of job description that he'd given us and given us a few tasks to do and I took him to task on a few of it because I said you're, you're talking about scale and impact and growing the newsletter and doing growing the community but in the book you talk about scale as, as sort of you know not necessarily a good thing mm -hmm. that he quotes Frederick Lalu he says you know um, growth for growth's sake is cancer so it's <laughs> what what are we what are we doing here I've spent a lot of time I feel working on vanity metrics in terms of building community and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to know that what we're doing is meaningful and has impact. So that would be my measure of success. Um, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I want to, I want to try. And that was, yeah, and that's how I ended up as right-hand pirate to Sam. And I, I would say that now my job title has probably changed. I think about six to nine months in, I got promoted to quartermaster. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and now, I, and now I'm sort of taking it over, really. I get to be captain. I was going to say, you're going to be captain. I was uh, thinking thinking about the whole um, captain quartermaster thing in our sort of dynamics between Ian and I. Um, and the <laughs> mm. standing joke is that he's Captain Haddock because he has this great big beard. But I was like, but I want to be captain. <laughs> but, you know, quartermaster is uh, pretty pretty up there. It's an important well, job. Well, it uh, it's the, it's the, that, that dual governance thing, isn't mm. it, that, uh, mm. that the book talks about. So yeah. I think it, it's a nice way of framing our equality in this in this podcast yeah yeah well although we, i struggle yeah. to know which of us is which and i refuse to be captain haddock sorry <laughs> well I, I yeah it's funny i i actually to be honest with you prefer quartermaster if i was to be uh if you know if we were to really look at the roles in a really you know mm. detailed way that but just because quartermaster is really in charge of the people and that's the stuff that i care about you know sam's very good at creating vision like big vision stuff and i and not not that I'd say that I can't, but I I like getting into the the details of the relationships and 
in you know historically the quartermaster would be the person that dealt out the punishment and and the money (laughs) 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 it's quite appealing but it was you know done deliberately so that they um, those two things that were most at risk of being abused by a captain were kept with somebody else in my head that just sounds like being a parent (laughs) <laughs> I always say, I yeah, I've got four kids, and uh, I could always like move an move an army, organize an army. So it's just like the on land version of that. So um, mm. obviously today we're recording um, uh, talk like a pirate day, um, and we've been practicing our R's from elbow gag mm. quite a bit actually. <laughs> uh, but that's not. Was that? Sorry about that. <laughs> We like a good pun and a good joke. Um, but actually, was that what the reality of being a pirate was like? Because I think in the book, it covers really nicely the history and the reality. There's a hell of a lot of myth created by predominantly Disney. I think the R comes from, <laughs> it was immortalised by Treasure Island. And yeah. the film version of Treasure Island was what, in the 1950s? <laughs> um, and it came from the actor having a West Country accent. So, <laughs> you know, and obviously there, were, there obviously is some history of piracy down in Cornwall, but equally some of the most famous pirates were Welsh as well. So it could equally have been a Welsh accent. But um, yeah, I think Disney is responsible for a lot of what we think of as pirates. And I think it's very difficult for some people to know which, which pirates are fictionalized and which were real ones. So, you know, we, probably the most um, elaborate namings of pirates are Blackbeard and Long John Silver, whereas Long John Silver is fictional and Blackbeard was actually real. Um, and no, I mean, the, the fictionalised version of pirates is, um, is, has been very glamorised. And I mean, there is an element of glamour to it in that they were heroes to a lot of the people back mm. home in England because they were challenging the establishment in a way that no one else dared. But really, you know, pirate, I think the, the biggest myth and the thing that's really got me behind pirates more than anything was the fact that they were just ordinary um, professionals I suppose young professionals who just realized they were getting a really really raw deal by being by being sailors and when I did research on it um, because I did my own separate research after just I didn't just trust Sam's version (laughs) of it (laughs) no we've just trusted Sam's version but (laughs) it's cool but I mean I I wanted to go back it was fascinating so I wanted to go back to some of the original sources that he'd looked at and Mm. um seeing that being a sailor at the time was so awful Mm. and the kind of violence that you would experience on a navy ship or a merchant ship and a lot of that was to do with the economics of it and the fact that um, a a merchant ship would be owned by a a person who never had to step on board that ship so they had no stake in what was really going on on the ship and they'd hire a captain whose only goal was to ensure that they brought back sufficient treasure I mean there was no interest in the lives or the welfares of the people you know their employees at the time so much so that sailors would come back to shore and quite often just not get paid if they hadn't you know reaped the the bounty that they wanted when they were there when they they were on the voyage they would come back with nothing and they wouldn't pay them and 40 percent of sailors died on any voyage so they would over recruit which would probably influence the terrible conditions that you face so i think what struck me was that being a pirate was more about giving yourself permission to be less miserable in your life and I think that that, uh, <laughs> that you know it wasn't any less violent on a, a navy or a merchant ship and this this violent reputation that pirates had just wasn't accurate don't say they weren't violent they were but their violent was very strategic so so this tagline that they had under this under the Jolly Roger the surrender or die they really did enact that so by and large they tried to not get into battles at all and but when they did 
when, when a, a ship that they would encounter did did refuse to surrender they really were violent they you know they would use torture but they would use it so sparingly and that was the point whereas you know on a different on, on other ships it was just you know whatever the the captain kind of fancied often and a lot of them were very sadistic they were no they were no i suppose they were no less sadistic than any than any of the pirates um and violence was very normalized at the time and i think what strikes me the most is that it wasn't that pirates were more violent it was that they didn't adhere to the specific rules of violence that had been created just by the people who had the power and the money at the time mm. so it really challenges your notion of what criminal activity is we equate criminals with bad, wrong, like morally wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. And I don't think that pirates were necessarily more morally wrong um, just because they decided that they weren't going to play by those rules. One of the things that I really liked towards the end of the book was like the from codes to cooperatives. So mm. the codes that the pirates had yeah. and how that equates and would be reflective of like the cooperative principles mm. that that actually were founded in the Welsh industrial areas and I think that that link between pirates that came from Welsh backgrounds and the cooperative mm. movement starting in Wales uh, I really uh, I really enjoyed that. I don't know too much about the historical documentation about how much the ideas of pirates really came back and, and mm. you know, directly influenced the cooperative, but it would be a real surprise if they didn't because there's such clear parallels between the, the principles of the cooperative movement and what was in pirate codes. And the pirate code was, there wasn't much variation across different fleets because it was a very networked movement, this global criminal organization. <laughs> Word of mouth traveled and there were these four or five core principles that would get into almost every pirate code, which is why it's often referred to as the pirate code rather than yeah. the many. And then, you know, certain ships would adapt it as they still fit. But concepts of equal pay, equal say, democratic membership, those are really powerful. And once you've kind of been given that level of agency and responsibility and ownership, it wouldn't be a surprise that those ideas travelled when they got back on, when they came, when the few that did return were able to escape the noose and, and came back uh, and settled in the Welsh valleys or wherever. So yeah, I think that that is, that is um, it definitely has travelled. I think what I struggle with is the fact that we've backtracked since then, <laughs> that as part of the Industrial Revolution and the rise of, you know, a lot of machinery, that we've, yeah, defaulted to this command and control style of organisation that still really, really lives through um, big corporate structures and it's not working anymore and it's not very and it's certainly not enjoyable for most of the people who have to work within them. I think this is what's so interesting about this whole topic because we've kind of started off from talk like a pirate day which is obviously <laughs> very very Disney and mm. we've been full of ah and me hearties and all this Disney-esque talk and then linking through to well actually what were pirates like bringing us forward into what principles of those is it worth adopting and bringing back today? And mm. those principles of disobedience and being in opposition to an establishment that has too much power mm. and does have ab abuses and all those kind of things that, that w were the case back then. Mm. I think that's what makes this so interesting. And it's kind of what attracted us to this Talk Like a Pirate Day episode <laughs> in the first place was the idea that we could bring that mm. out. Because the t talking like a pirate is not saying a horror and stuff, is it? It's mm. taking on the values of like the cooperatives and fairness, etc. <laughs> Actually, if I was to translate what I think talk like a pirate is now, the pirate code and, and the way that pirates work differently to the establishment at the time was all about creating a different kind of culture. 
one that was fundamentally a bit more honest because you know, I had this random group of strangers on board a ship they have to survive have to figure out a way to you know prevent conflict primarily yeah and so you can't hide away from the things you can't bury the things that were perhaps un- unpleasant or the things that usually cause conflict things like money and difference um the things that in an organization today would probably sort of simmer along underneath the surface <laughs> causing you know resentment and that's where we get office politics so yeah I, I would describe talking like a pirate today would be is being able to be a little bit more frank and honest about what's really going on here having those uncomfortable conversations that comes up in so much of the work that sam and i do mm. and how do we do that in a way that is still respectful challenging but on, but but strikes a balance with being able to respect differences of opinion differences of perspective and life experience um, and how do you manage that within a within the kind of team structures that we have now i've actually written a, a small section in the the new book that we're publishing in september Ooh. about language and what we've observed and what people have told us and the different pirates in our network about the challenges of language today and how jargonistic and unclear a lot of the language that we use when we're trying to you know sound smart and and talk about change particularly in the third sector what i felt was that the book was very much about empowering people and there's lots of references and stories relating to the under 30s but Mm. actually when you look at when you look at the media and images that surround us i'm a woman in my 50s and i feel that i'm not represented in any of those images around myself so where i got like a little bit irate and there's lots of like <laughs> me that have underlining stuff for all these references to sort of being a millennial and stuff but actually actually is more is be more pirate aimed at the young or can anybody take away the concepts written about in the book Ah, g- great question. Because um, I've, I've thought about this. Because Sam did write the book f- with millennials in mind because that's predominantly the group that he'd worked with for mm. the past 20 years. So he thought, you know, he looked at those young people and thought thought of them as pirates. But the interesting thing about this, as a book, as a handbook or a, a sort of blueprint for being a pirate, is that it those people that he was drawing the inspiration from don't actually need it. And what's been interesting is and this has been my job, is to look at the response to Be More Pirate, the people who've written to us and said, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm taking it. Absolutely, 100% has been the older generation. People who've been long entrenched in organisations and um, systems where they've tried for, for a very long time to play by the rules um, and have gotten a deep level of knowledge and experience, but also deep frustration. Um, so it's really, the, uh, far and away, has been, the response has been from people probably more in your demographic and particularly from health and social care, which I think really at the beginning surprised Sam a lot. He was expecting, you know, to appeal to millennials, because especially because of the branding and the big bright pink mm. and everything. But no, <laughs> the, the group of people who've gone, God, I'm so sick of the kind of boring tropes about change that I've heard over and over again in yeah. every, you know, away days. And this is new. This is different. This feels like I want to be part of this. And yeah, so, so definitely 100% this is something for everybody. Um, and, and in the beginning of, of my explorations, I've also kind of tried to redefine pirate a little bit in opposition to the concept of a rebel. Because I remember some early on somebody saying to me, um, looking at the front cover of Be More Pirate and saying, oh, this would appeal to the archetypal rebel. And I thought, God, yeah, but that's not really the people that I'm, I'm meeting as a result mm. of this book. They're not the people who are coming up to me and saying, God, I love this. This is exactly what I need. And so I looked into it and I realized, yeah, that this, this a pirate 
is somebody who moves from being inside an insider to an outsider. And that process of moving or becoming is really, really important. It's because it's a transition because that, that moment usually requires quite a lot of courage to go, you know what, I'm going to stand up to everything that I've always surrounded myself with, my, my status quo, and I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to say no. And that's really, it's just really scary for people. But when they do it, God, it's this whole like door opening moment. I think it, um, it's about finding your own truth and living by that truth because mm. we are quite often repressed. We have to fit into people's boxes. We have to do things in a certain way that society says we should do because, you know, we're from this area or we go to this school or we work in this this company and we need to act in a certain way. But then it's, it is reflecting, what is my truth? What is it that I feel really passionate about? And how am I going to live by that? And that's what I really loved about the book. Sort of later on, when I stopped being angry, that uh, no, I had <laughs> never, I had never <laughs> ordered an Uber. I'm like, because in the book, it's going, oh yeah, well, of course we all, yeah. all um, no, <laughs> I, I live in Yorkshire. Uh, I've ordered an mm, Uber. I, I've never done an Uber ever. Is that wrong? I, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it was, it was about finding your own truth and living by that truth. Mm. in whatever sort of context and I think a lot of people it, that's difficult for them to do because they there are so many other expectations on them yeah a hundred percent yeah I don't know I it's also the way I parent as well I uh, I just tell my kids to find what it is that they are absolutely passionate about and do that because do you know what you can sit your your GCSEs your O-levels your A-levels you can go to university. I didn't go to university until I was like in my late forties. You know, you can do all of that. There's always time to all to do that. But the best, the the thing that you need to do in life is live the truth. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox because Ian's got another question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just going to join you actually and observe that in my career, I've spent a very long time in a large corporate structure. I really identified with all of those things you were talking about. When I started reading mm. Be More Pirate, it was probably a couple of years ago now first. Mm. That really had a, an impact on me as well. One thing that I thought was very interesting was the chapter about storytelling. Mm. That's something that has come home to me many times. The importance of kind of getting that right. In, in Obviously, in Be More Pirate, there are what we call th Blackbeard's three ways to weaponize your story, which is to make the message singular and unignorable. And that's basically just cut out the waffle. I, I mean, I've seen it many, many times. I've had my <laughs> old job as a communications manager. Just really think about what is the, the strongest, most singular message here and just focus on that. Taking the message to the lion's den. So thinking about the fact that your story might have more impact when you tell it to the audience who don't like you rather than the ones that do. Most of the time we create a story, then take it to who we think are our, our audience who, who already um, appreciate what we're doing. Uh, but actually, if you take it to the lion's den, you're likely to cause a bit more of a splash. But also you'll learn more because they're likely to be critical. So you might find in those criticisms, some of them are unfounded, but some of them are also really, really useful for you. And the third one is just making the media and the message, which obviously is not Sam's idea. It's been around for a long time, but I've noticed that quite often we, we don't do that. Like you'll get some amazing stories buried in long black and white reports that don't ever get read. I, I notice that a lot in public sector. So how can you bring that out and make, you know, Banksy's the, um, the master at it, making the media and the message and lots of other yeah. people do it really, really well as well. So those are the three things that are in Be More Pirate. What I've learned since going on my own journey and talking to our, our network is that from a personal level, if you want to tell a story and persuade and advocate and push as yourself within any context, you have to own it. You have to really, really know 
what I guess what your story is in order to be persuasive because there's, there's got to be a level of belief in what you're saying and quite a lot of the time we're given narratives to say because we've you know maybe we've done some research and we've gone okay now I'm going to tell this but finding why why this is important to you why you believe in it and a good exercise to do to do this is to just create a sort of leadership timeline for yourself or a timeline of really key moments that have been the points at which you have either changed your mind on something big just points real points of influence in your own life and Sam and I have both done this and found it really really powerful the moments at which you go that's when I took a different path or that's the point when I had this sort of revelation or this moment um because quite often we don't really I don't know maybe think about them so much and having those small anecdotes to hand when somebody asks you well why should we do it this way and you kind of know well this is why I believe what I believe and you can and it's just very persuasive so yeah I guess those are a few ways I'd start with from from a storytelling perspective yeah, I love that yeah for, for me anyway I've I'm also in my 50s so I've you know, got a fairly lengthy mm-hmm. history of doing things wrong in, in different <laughs> different contexts <laughs> I think that's a really good kind of tip because having thought through in advance what are those inflection points why do I have this deep felt belief I've read a lot of books about that talk about the the way that we make decisions as Daniel Kahneman and other mm-hmm. writers and researchers and people like that and talking about well actually we make up our mind about things using our gut instincts and then we make up a, a sort of justification later to explain it even though actually we probably don't really know <laughs> why we think that and I but I think it's really important to be able to articulate something that explains that gut instinct that gut feeling that you know something's right you know something's mm. the right thing having some stuff up your sleeve to articulate that is really important no I, I mean I suppose I should say now that I work in comms for the charitable sector so this is something that I'm talking to my clients about all the time is being authentic really finding the truth of what it is your cause is like you say not burying the story somewhere sort of four paragraphs down Mm. is always bringing the very zenith of the story right to the top of what you're doing so that people see it straight away and and diluting it down so it's easy for people to understand straight away what it is your story is so yeah I love that bit and I'm going to be quoting uh, the book to quite a few of my clients I think excellent that's what I like to hear (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes definitely okay so Obviously, there's lots of information in Be More Pirate about people who are looking for good trouble. Yeah. How it's described. But what should listeners do if they want to be more pirates? There's lots of different entry points into it, and it really depends on where you are. But what I've done in the the new book is tracing what I think is a, a sort of rough idea of the journey to becoming a pirate. And it starts with usually a, a sort of catalyst moment for people, a moment where they realize perhaps there's a certain fragility in the, the, the system or the external kind of world that they, they've built around them, whether it, you know, sometimes it's been people sort of losing their jobs sometimes, and obviously we've experienced a huge amount of instability at the moment. Not to say that you should bring that upon yourself, but quite often it can be this catalyst moment. Mm. The start of an inner rebellion where you realize, actually, the only person I can really turn to here is myself. And so who am, what is myself? And that's when you find people starting to really question their values and whether their behavior is actually following on from what they say matters to them. That broadly has led some of the people in the organizations that we've come across to start to really pin that down and write a a proper pirate code. 
which is yeah largely a combination of values and behaviors that they want to enact and closing that gap between intention and action then you've got to get to the action point because as sam often says you know talk minus action equals shit and i'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear <laughs> this podcast, but we are definitely a I'm swearing podcast <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, that's how I got fed up. of like, you can write a million reports and say this is the way that things should be, but you know, unless you're willing to actually enact them, what's the point? So the things that we have noticed and observed is that rather than writing an entire strategy document about how things should be, how can you enable individuals to just get started? And we call this, there's a big chapter on small, bold actions, which are actions that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable perhaps and it doesn't and you know you've got to test your own tolerance for risk there is no the parameters are personal so it might just be sending that email to someone you've never really talked to before but you're quite curious and you feel like you can get some information out of them and you know you've got to put yourself on their radar so something bold something that is small and actionable so it can't be something that is going to be complicated and we overcomplicate things a lot of the time and we come up with a good idea and then it can only be enacted without with another people like some kind of logistical process and with five other people involved and then it just ends up being an email thread never happening so something you could just get started on and something and then crucially within that it's got to fit within the work that you're already doing I don't want to encourage any kind of action or activism that is extra because we're already so busy Um, we've got this real culture of being overwhelmed so I would yeah advocate something that is within the sort of nine to five or whatever your nine to five might be it doesn't have to be work and it's got to cut through the stagnation that you're feeling at first, I, I thought the small world action is about, you know, having an impact on, on your environment. But actually, it's about the impact it has on you. Because, and I wish I'd done this so much more in my old life, <laughs> pre-piracy. I wish I'd realised that that small act of resistance or rebellion <laughs> would embolden me to do more. Because it does. It, it doesn't, even if that first action doesn't really do anything, it doesn't matter. It's about getting started. So that's, that's definitely the start of perhaps being pirate. And then there's all other things that you, depending on what your ambitions are, like, Finding your allies, building your crew, that is so important. Finding the other people who are kind of, you know, whispering in the corridor going, you know, I don't really like how things are around here. What could we do about it? Even if you just go and meet for a coffee and just kind of air that, it's that starting point. It sounds like this uh, second book that's coming out is sort of almost like a, a how-to book, whereas I sort of felt that the first <laughs> one, Be More Pirate, was like, here's the sort of concept. Would, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> well, what's the name of the new book? Yeah. It's called How to Be More Pirate. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so you've literally hit the nail on the head because Sam was like, yeah, I really feel it's missing that how-to bit, that bit that how do you implement this stuff? Like here are the principles. And, you know, wonderfully, all these really wide-ranging people have, have, um, have done it, have just gone, yeah, I'm going to run with this. And we've got everybody from public sector to corporates to individuals to people who've decided to be entrepreneurs it's young and old. It, it is really, um, and, and global as well. I, I found the, the real pirates of the Caribbean who have called themselves climate pirates. Oh, how wonderful. It's just been um, really amazing. And that should hopefully give you the breadth that's maybe missing when you say, I'm not sure I find myself in this. You know, it's people who are breaking really small walls, people with far bigger ambitions. So it sounds really, really super. And when's it, when's it out? When's it on the shelves? It's published 24th of September. Oh, um, just five days' time. Yes. Because <laughs> we're not recording this in advance or anything, are we? <laughs> also, I would say, uh, Ian, uh, that is my birthday and an excellent day 
for somebody. Apparently, so, apparently somebody. we'll be buying that for Amanda for her birthday then. So, <laughs> so there you go. So, Excellent. It's actually two days before mine, so I'm going to buy myself. Yeah, that. Right. <laughs> Not really. Okay. So, so this is my message to our listeners: if you haven't read "Be More Pirate," read it. Yeah. And mm. if you have read it, then you can go. And I guess if you've just listened to this on Talk Like a Pirate Day 2020, you can immediately pre-order the the new book, How to Be More Pirate. And I will be doing just that. In fact, I guess I'll be buying two copies. (laughs) (laughs) It'll make an excellent present for anybody, uh, you know, who is just a little bit pirate, I would say. I definitely put myself in the pirate zone. Yeah, I feel as I'm I'm trying to head there and doing this podcast is actually a little bit part of that. I think you're pirate. I've got a long, I, I feel like, I always feel like I've got such a long way to go. You don't, you are definitely pirate. <laughs> We're doing this. That's very sweet mm. of you. Yeah, I think so. Looking on the Be More Pirate website, I see that you are running some events and stuff like that as well. Is there something that people could link on to? Yeah, so we're gonna we will be running various sort of online meetups. Kind of what we have a, re- a regular mutiny mentoring, which is evolving, I'd say, but it's it's a space for people to come and talk about the kind of challenges that they're facing, and I guess mentor each other. Really, um, I'm not going to, um, you know, as pirates, we don't dictate from the top down. So it's yeah. a a crew of equality, and anybody is open to use the platform to bring something that they are facing in their own lives or work and bring that to the group and say what do we do about this and try and source some ideas from the rest of the group and we also we've got a couple of other a couple of other crews so if any at any point anyone's interested in a particular area we have crews in the um who are looking at challenging things in the arts in healthcare in education in and more broadly across workplace culture so the, yeah these kind of I, I see our network as more like a fleet where there are lots of different pirate captains who all have their own Uh sort of crews or plugged into their own networks who you can connect with too brilliant and where do people go to sign up for these things there is a sign up on our website that signs you up to our newsletter which is infrequent but great when it comes out but should point you to some some of the resources and that's uh, bemorepirate.com yes I'm more than happy for people to email me directly Um, it's alex at bemorepirate.com because I I do run the crew on on building relationships i think that that is um really important foundational and if you have a real interest in this i I tend to try to apply to people personally if they send something personal Mm. um it's obviously not always possible but i like to get to know people because i think you know this is where i've been able to uncover all the brilliant stories in the book it wouldn't i wouldn't been able to do it without knowing people so i don't want it to be this sort of network where it's faceless so that's also an option no that's great I've just clicked on the site and I love this. It says at the bottom, you know, you normally get the little yeah, pop-ups. I love that we, we, you know, uh, are you okay with cookies? It says here, we don't want your data or to send you weird marketing crap. Cookies can sod off. That is just brilliant. <laughs> I love it. That's so, that's mm. so pirate. pirate fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, oh. don't get me started. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, tell us oh, more. Just, well, just, I don't know. Come on. Like, I don't have any interest in collecting people's you know, details so we can send really automated, impersonal crap. I mean, don't we have enough of that? Is yeah. that really what the world needs? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. I mean, it's, it's such an important thing 
and I feel really pleased that we've managed to be slightly subversive about <laughs> to talk like a pirate day. Yeah, mm. we love taking like awareness days and either taking the piss out of them <laughs> and ha- or having a lot of fun. But what's happening is that actually we're taking them and then we're actually having some really serious conversations, aren't we? Um, Alarmingly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and listen to the prosecco one because I really want to know <laughs> what came of that. But I think it's a really it's such a fun concept, really irreverent and different. Yeah, I just thought, God, what fun you must yeah, have doing yeah. this. Yeah, we do actually. There's a lot of silliness involved and, <laughs> and um, weird puns. Yes, and bad, bad, mm. bad puns. Bad. But uh, yeah, we're on our learning curve doing it, but it's it is an enormous amount of fun. You always say that. You're just like, oh, we're learning about this. My retort is, if we're not having fun, we're not doing it, Ian. <laughs> so, do you like being a pirate? Yes. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't... Of course. <laughs> I don't think that I am fully pirate yet. I think, actually, and this is quite exciting, that I've probably still got quite a long way to go. I mean, I notice all the time. I go back to the questions in it. I, I genuinely do use it as a bit of a Bible. And, a, mm. and not even you know necessarily the original text, but everything that's evolved from it and all the concepts as I learn more from other people. Being pirate is almost like a constant disruption of yourself. So I'm constantly trying to work out, understand my own limitations and overcome them. And that's a lifelong thing. So I am excited about my, I guess, my own path as it goes on and as I keep trying to live the philosophy of it. I mean, I think one thing is when when you go pirate, you kind of don't go back. It's quite hard to, once you've kind of learned it, unlearn it. Yeah, I think the challenges that I face and the, the, my biggest obstacle to being pirate on a day-to-day basis is just un- unraveling my own conditioning in terms of how I think I should work, getting rid of the sense of having to respond to everything all the time. Mm. I think I've very much been yeah, told from very early on that you know that's doing good work is keeping on top of everything, yeah. always kind of being quite obedient. If somebody asks you for something, you respond to them. And actually, I'm challenging a lot of that. Because I don't think that it is necessarily, in the role that I'm now in, going to enable me to do the best kind of work that will really further this idea and this movement. For me, that didn't come until really, like my husband retired and we moved here and we could do anything that we wanted. He just said to me, just what is it that you want to do? Do you want to start your own business? And I was like, yeah. So so <laughs> on, a, on a daily basis, I'm like, do I, do I want to do that? Do I want to work mm. with that person? Mm. or that organization that's hard when you've been conditioned go oh, yeah you've got to you've got to bring the money in and got to um do this that and the other i was working with one client and then she was like do you know what i'm not enjoying that i'm doing a great job for them but i'm not enjoying it mm. and so i stopped working with them oh firing client yeah firing client. Uh, yeah but you got to that's exactly it yeah 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 and I have so much renewed respect for people who set up their own businesses and who are entrepreneurs. Um, I did not anticipate how difficult and challenging that ca- that is and how, and those decisions that you have to make. But it's exactly what you say. Like some, Actually, if you've got to bring in the money at the end of the day, <laughs> spending your time you know, answering everybody's possible inquiry or email isn't necessarily effective. What might be more effective is going for a walk and coming up with the best possible idea for the one client that you do want to work with. Well, thanks so much to Alex for joining us. And that was a brilliant conversation. I desperately want to go out and be more pirate right now. Yes. And I'm hoping that our listeners will read not just Be More Pirate, but How to Be More Pirate and then Become More Pirate. We could have a big crew. 
Yes. Aha! <laughs> and yes, of course they should spend the rest of today talking like pirates. Uh, maybe they could sing uh, things like... Yes, <laughs> that's what they should do. They should definitely should be singing some she shanties. I can't say sea shanties. Oh, excuse me. She sells seashells on the seashore, you see. Perhaps uh, our listeners could say things like social insurance for all or dual governance in the workplace. Anything that doesn't contain the, the word Prosecco, which, which I defeats you every time. Absolutely. Obviously, we'll be back on the next day of Awareness Day that appeals to our bizarre sense of humour. The best way not to miss out on that, and of course all our future episodes, is to visit our website at dayspodcast.com where you can subscribe to our delightful production on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and others. And you can also find links to our social feeds. Finally, if you're new here, I'm wondering what you're doing, (laughs) (laughs) you are more than welcome to join our crew. Absolutely, especially if you already like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If not, you know what you have to do. Also, it really helps us if you rate us in your podcast app and tell people about us, whether that's your friends, family, colleagues or some pirates that you should happen to bump into. Even if they're only talking like pirates, still go ahead and tell them all about us and the rum-do that is the informative yet still spiffing day's podcast. You've got me to say spiffing. Are you saying I'm posh? I'm saying that our podcast is spiffing. And also, you've now revealed that we're, we've got script, but nobody will take us seriously again. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and bye, bye for, for now. now. My hearties. My hearties, dear Lord.